0: Oh, again. Yeah. No. 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 What's up? You're better than Oprah. This is Sean T and it's time to trust and believe. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. Today, I think we're going to find a lot of peace. And if I can just be a bit selfish, I think uh, I'm going to find a lot of peace because our guest today and I have some similar life stories. And I feel like we can learn from everyone if you just take time To listen to other people's story, internalize the lessons that they've learned and how they actually digested their own situations, you know, I think they can really help you out. And so today on Trust and Believe, we have DeAndre Sinet. If you follow him on Instagram, the minute you turn on his or the minute (laughs) you go to his page, you probably feel... An overwhelming sense of peace, which is what I get. I mean, you just scroll through the page and you just hear this voice that's amazing that <laughs> want to live, breathe, and love. So without further ado, everyone welcome DeAndre Sinette. DeAndre,
1: how are you? I'm doing absolutely amazing. This is this is a lifelong dream actually to be speaking to you here. <laughs> this is so dope.
0: I think, uh, I think that we find people in such, you know, incredible ways. And I have to be very honest, Sam, who does, is my assistant at Shanti mm-hmm. Inc., and also does a lot of our online stuff, you know, he really pays attention to me. And I think at some points in my life, he's focused on actually what I need in my life. Yeah. He's the one to introduce me to you. And <laughs> I have to say that. It was a great, I I call you a great find.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's so great.
0: (laughs) But with that said, I mean, give me a little background on your story. I know we have something very similar in common in terms of our childhood. Just Mm -hmm. tell me a bit of background about you and and so listeners can really understand who you are and where you come from.
1: Wow. No, Thank you for hyping me up. Hopefully I live up to the hype. (laughs) um, Yeah. Um, Yeah, my name is DeAndre, and I was born in Louisiana, but grew up mostly in Texas. And, you know, being from the South definitely has its advantages in hospitality, but also a lot of the disadvantages in the just really strong religious and conservative strongholds. Um, And so that was kind of just, I grew up Christian, grew up very Christian, and I didn't grow up with my father and or my biological father but I also had another father figure in my life Um, and I did not know that he wasn't my father until I was around 10 years old actually and so that was a lot of where the abuse came from so I was abused as a child and that kind of you know when you I don't think I have a memory of there ever being a time where I wasn't Abuse, like it, it, you know. That's that's my childhood memories. Was it was all about just trauma and not understanding why I was never good enough, and so that led me on a you know beautiful seeking journey. I, I like I said, I grew up very Christian. My um, I think my great grandfather actually contributed to the church that I like kind of grew up in every summer, and that was something. That also hurt me a lot in growing up. I just really couldn't understand the correlation to why God would let me suffer. Mm. And the last time that I actually was in the church, the last time that as a teenager when I decided to leave, it was I was in a youth group. I was in a youth group. I went to one of my family, like kind of family friends about three hours away from where I was living. And I was 17 at the time, but there were also like 10 year olds at this, at this youth group. And the path, the youth pastor said Jesus is tired of all the gay people in the world. And he's coming down to burn them all. And I was just, and I could, like my heart was so torn. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm already depressed. And now I'm like, cause I also was closeted by, Back um, back then, I hadn't came out as being bi, mm-hmm. um, and so you know it was just like so much of so much pain as a child. Like I just did not know my my form in the world. You know, I felt like me existing mm-hmm. was a burden to the world and a burden to the people around me, and that led me to seeking a little bit more of the fitness journey. So that's when I started. So actually, it was so crazy when Sam reached out to me to tell me you know I was going to be on a podcast with you because. One of my first memories with fitness is just dying with my mother doing your, doing your, um, insanity workouts. <laughs> Man, I, could, I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> but yeah, you, you were like one of the first bouts of my fitness career or fitness journey in. So that led me into doing like a lot more physical uh, bodybuilding type stuff. And I entered more of the fitness industry as a influencer before influencing was even a thing. I think I was like 18 or 19 and I was just kind of just sharing my journey about my the struggles that I was facing and correlating that with my fitness. And then that kind of got old and it's a very manipulative industry as well. And so, me being young and naive, you know, certain companies took advantage of the knowledge that I had crafted as a young millennial that was really good at technology, and then just basically took advantage of that. And that hurt me even deeper. I already had like this really deep sense of abandonment and manipulation from authority. So, that just like kind of re-ingrained that behavior and belief in me. And then that's when I had a friend basically tell me to go to yoga and that's when my real healing journey actually started. And I couldn't stand yoga. I'm telling you right now, the first time I went into yoga class, I just wanted to leave the, ex- the exact moment. I was like, what the heck is this? This is not for me. <laughs> you know, because I was pretty like, I just, and it was also a very spiritual class. Like it wasn't one of those yoga classes where you go to stretch a little bit. Maybe you break out of sweat to some jams. No, it was like a real authentic yoga class. <laughs> I love- and I- it was, it was just like insane about how much my body... I, I was never really actually feeling my body, even though I was working out a lot. It was more so doing it to run away from my body, to run away from all of my problems. And then, you know, once I actually gave yoga more of a chance,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it dropped me into just like the seat of my soul. Mm. And that led me on a journey. I definitely still battled my suicidal depression up until actually last year. Um, I moved to Los Angeles, actually. And, you know, I've been teaching for five years now. But even during my teaching, I didn't commit to it fully just because I still had I still had this belief that life was basically suffering and dying. And that's all there was. You know, that was my outlook on life. Like, why try to become better when you know you're going to fail? That was kind of the, the essence of my life. Um, and up until last year, when I moved to Los Angeles, I got deeper into shrooms. Now, before we go there, because I,
0: <laughs> and your story is so full of color that I kind of want to go back just a little bit so people can kind of relate to uh, just your story a little bit. And something that I want to really share with you, and I'm so happy that you said, which was when you are abused as a child, When you look back on the memories of your childhood, it does really feel like your entire childhood was full of abuse. Meaning, Mm -hmm. even if it happened twice that year, it felt like it was every single day. Because in our minds, that's what we were hiding. That's what we were battling. I'm getting a Mm -hmm. little bit emotional here because, (laughs) you know, I never had anyone... You know validate that for me as a Mm -hmm. person who was sexually abused and you know it happened a lot but it beyond that it felt like it happened every day and so Mm -hmm. it's kind of going back there a little bit what were some of the things that you felt you know were really and that this might be a little twist empowering you as you were going through this really difficult time
1: Honestly, I really think that, well, singing actually got me through a lot of my trauma. So I had no, you know, as a child, you don't really know any therapeutic, especially in the black community, Mm -hmm. mental health. And that's a really, that's another conversation. That's a really big struggle that we face. Um, And, but yeah, singing actually was my escape. That was how I expressed. So I actually grew up very creatively inclined. And so half of my struggle, my big sister, very book smart. So I have a big sister mm-hmm. and she's very book smart. So she always, she was the achiever, the performer in the household. And me, a lot of the times where I got in trouble was because I pretty much did not live up to her standard of intelligence. Um, and Or at least that's the way that I perceived because most of my troubles came from not performing well in school. And so I was made to feel like the dumbest kid on the planet. Like, I was even told that. Like, it was like, you. there is no kid stupider than you. I had one time I was told, actually, this is multiple times, I would rather have a brick wall as a son than you. And, you you know, when you hear those things, you're just like, well, what the heck am I here for? Like, what am I, why do I exist? And so, yeah, I listened to, like, John Legend every single day, and I would just sing my little heart out. And I think the power of of expression. And it's really ironic or just it's just so, such a paradox to see my childhood. My voice was taken away from me and I was never allowed to express anything. I was never allowed to. I was always, you know, whooped in and in beaten into crying, but also like manipulated into like thinking that crying was bad, you know, but you're enforcing this pain into me. But like, there's no other option but to cry, and I was also, you know, made to think that crying was not for men, and it was not for, you know, not for boys. Boys don't cry, and I think all of that, you know, there was so going back to so many nights in my in my bed, in my, I, you know, even in some of my shroom journeys, I would go back to a specific memory when I was nine years old, and I and I was crying in my corner, and. I was just like, it's going to be okay. I was just like that voice that, you know, that voice that you hear inside of your head. I kind of acted like I was going back in time and just planting that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to do amazing things. This is actually in a way, in a sense, this heaviness, this pain that you are given is actually going to be your biggest blessing. And that's how you're going to, you know, reach people is because you have suffered so greatly.
0: Mm. Man, I just, I think that while you're talking, there's so many things. I mean, you brought up, you also brought up the church and how, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in church and you feel like the church is the thing that's supposed to protect you when in actuality, and this is obviously, I tell people no shade to the church. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think the church has actually progressed a long way when it comes to sexuality and acceptance. But we were taught as young people that, being gay was bad or being bi was bad or anything other than what was considered the norm and what the bible taught us was just you know not up to standards which in turn exacerbated the you know just a negative feeling we had about ourselves in general Mm -hmm. um how did you cope with that with religion because i think that a lot of people are still going to church now or maybe to the same churches that have actually told them that they weren't good enough, and they're and mm-hmm. they are struggling. I mean, I know how I was able to overcome that, but what was your what was your way of overcoming or forgiving the religion, or have you?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a very good deep question. I love that one. Um, religion and me have been in a in a beautiful battle um, since you know I can remember. And I think the one thing that I have understood, because I have been going, you know, I flirted going back to Christianity a few different times, especially after, you know, I when I was in Texas, most of the people that you're going to meet are most likely Christian. So, you know, in the dating pool, a girl was a Christian. You know, I try to go back to church to to win her over. <laughs> um, but it was never, I think the one thing that has healed some form of of just allowing myself to be more open to the church and religion is that I met this pastor and his name is Earl Um, Earl. And he, he's a pastor in Dallas. And he, first of all, he came to my yoga class. Like, it's so cool to have a, a black pastor who you look up to as like, it was like when I first heard him speak, it was like he was speaking into my heart, but it was also just like seeing another another figure that looks like me, mm. you know, has commanding this audience, and he's not he's not teaching oppressive Christianity. Mm. He's teaching you feel the essence of you know re- whether you actually believe that Jesus existed or he didn't. You cannot deny that his archetype is something that we can all live up to, and he reminded me that it's not. You know my my view of religion was looking at i think i was relying more of the people rather than more of the than actually sitting down with the wisdom of the message Mm -hmm. to this day i you know i say most of my kindness does actually come from my christian upbringing and you know a part of that is because just i have such a gracious mom my mom is an absolute incredible queen who has endured so much abuse herself and you know she's a christian i don't identify as a christian anymore but seeing the way that she holds so much grace in her heart just tell, it just reminds me that, that God is everywhere. And so actually, with forgiving Christianity as a whole, though, it was it was when I like, I sat down and I realized that a lot of my frustrations were because I thought, you know, you taught that God is this omnipresent, father who is you know really looking to create cohesion or coherence in the world and is going to look out for you all the time but in my life experience you know i was more so abandoned you know where was god when you know i was getting punched in the head you know where was god when i was being manipulated or you know Taking food away from me like all these things and it's you look into the world like why does god still allow black people to get murdered by the police and i had to because i have now ventured so deep into the eastern mystical traditions that is actually how i understood jesus more Mm. and so like yoga actually brought me to more so even though i'm not a christian I still say like, Jesus is my best friend. Even, I, even though I, you know, I hold Jesus and Buddha as two perfectly crafted divine human beings. And I think the essence of sitting down and understanding that all there is is for a purpose. And that's what really ha- helped me forgive also the abuse of, of my father figure. And it helped me forgive my real father never being in my life because I realized that God, sometimes, you know, God, for love to, to, for love to exist, mm-hmm. there has to be free will, mm-hmm. you know. And, and God, I think God understands this, that if if he takes away evil, if he doesn't allow evil to exist, then nothing else can exist. And you look at this, you know, you look at the shape of the duality and it's, we can only, we can only experience and appreciate pleasure because we have to experience pain. Mm. And I transcended this belief of, you know, thinking that I, I needed to be perfect in the eyes of God. And instead I realized I needed to be human in the way that God made me. And that makes me feel so much more present to Jesus' teachings, biblical teachings, but all teachings. I, I realized that almost every single religion is trying to tell the same story. It's just we're all so caught up in our own ego that we try to dictate each other, everybody else's story to conform to our own. But, I, you know, that just doesn't I don't know that that's I feel like that's why there's so much division is because we're unable to connect to each other without having to conform to each other.
0: Yeah, it's like this thing where I believe that a lot of religions are very parallel. They teach Mm -hmm. a lot of the same things, but just like what's happening in our society right now, people are so focused on being right instead of doing what's right. You Mm -hmm. know, I do remember when I was about 16 years old, I asked my grandmother if a six-year-old boy that studied buddhism asked didn't didn't ask jesus christ to be his personal savior would he too go to hell just yeah. like a murderer and her response was yes now i wasn't upset with her or and it was for clarity for me because i remember at 7 years old i was at this christian camp mm-hmm. and my counselor was so he was an asshole. I, I, I <laughs> had a conversation with but he was such an asshole. But I remember at that particular camp, that's when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior because I said I remember saying if this guy is this mean, I definitely need Jesus right now. <laughs> <laughs> Him, he was so mean. I think my brother still remembers the same guy but oh man it's crazy my point to all that is is that when it comes to religion it's just really interesting how so many people are focused on me like this is the right religion this is you know this is the way you should live and this is the book you should read when in actuality i decided my religion was the golden rule because if you really mm-hmm. look at the depths and like the fine tuning of most religions they just want you to do right by people. Mm-hmm. They want you to love people. They want you to pray and obviously, you know, give to a higher being and and ask for help. But um, yeah, I just think a lot of people are focused on I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a part of the right religion instead of just saying mm-hmm. regardless of what you're a part of, like if we just do right by each other, we're we're on a good path. Um, yep. I said, I want to take a quick break for the podcast. When we come back, we're going to get more into how DeAndre found peace and love and happiness through yoga and shrooms. Let's get it. Hey, what's up, everyone? I know you like to have fun just like I do. And for fun around our house, we drink Dry Farm wines. We love it simply because, number one, who doesn't love a wine night or something fun to wind down on a weekend or on a Friday? And number two, this wine is amazing because it's all natural, additive free. It's lab tested for purity, sugar free, and it's low alcohol. That to me is absolutely amazing amazing you can go to dryfarmwines.com slash Sean T order it and please let me know how you like it because you know what I love to raise my glass to a nice ending to a great day always trust and believe in the wine too all right we're back with DeAndre Sinette I love that last name by the way and thank you we are going to go further into the peace and love of yoga and his I want to say journey into shrooms and how that actually helps out so let's talk about yoga I know some really fine yoga uh instructors practitioners if you will Mm -hmm. and um a little fun fact for my listeners and you you know one of my the very first fitness dvd that I was a backup Person for was a yoga DVD, which is so crazy. It's so
1: that's so funny. <laughs> you
0: know, most people think that you know dance was my fa- my first, uh, you know, kind of like groundbreaking into fitness DVD land. But it was actually yoga. Um, you you obviously spoke about yoga a lot, and your you know excitement that Earl, your pastor, came to take your lo- yoga class. And I could totally see why that would be a monumental moment for your practice, but. What was the one thing that really made you get into yoga? And where has it taken you today?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that. I Yoga has been, honestly, a pivotal understanding of my life, like even meditation. So the first time I told you about the first time, you know, that I went to a yoga class. But, you know, obviously you do so much more than that. I've done so much more than that. I, that was, I think that was the first time that I actually entered a yoga studio was in Jersey city oh. and then, yeah. And then I, cause I was only living there for like six months and that was just when all the fitness stuff crumbled. And so, you know, I moved back to Texas and I got into Ashtanga. So that was something that I always wanted to be strong, yeah. you know? So, I learned that
0: tough (laughs) to this class at a gym on the, I think it was 54th street in New York city. And this amazing woman was taking me through it. I was like, I can do this. And I was, she took me all the way down. Sorry. I just had to let you know that.
1: No, I love that. (laughs) And that's so, that's, it's so funny because like, that's kind of like what she what my teacher did to me too, like she humbled the mess out of me because you know i 'm this i got veins coming out of my arms, you know I got chiseled abs, all these things <laughs> i can't you know i can 't get my head off the ground on the back bend i 'm trying to I, I feel like i 'm eighty damn years old, trying to touch my toes, my fingers don 't even go past my damn knees oh my. Oh. <laughs> and you know she she immediately says, you know she grounded me and was just like." you lift too much, you lift too many weights, you're too tight, you're too stiff. And, and I just like, you know, the competitive mindset is just like, why? Like, I need to, you know, I need to immediately not be these things. And I think that that was the first time, especially because my whole, I don't think people have realized the effect that technology has had on the millennial generation, because, you know, we're the first kind of generation that, has been forced to, you know, pretty much integrate your life with social media besides the younger generation, which now they grow up with it, you know, immediately. Right. But we had to learn how to, you know, integrate. And so I've always said that social media seems like this kind of scientific experiment on humanity. And so, you know, I've been on Instagram doing Instagram things since I was 18 years old and my job was pretty much always, you know, behind a screen and, Lot of instant validation, a lot of insta gratification, in yoga that is not that it, it is the opposite of insta gratification because it is a practice and it's a lifelong journey. You don't just do yoga for a few years and call yourself a yogi. It's it's you show up to it. You know you try to live it as much as you can mm-hmm. um, until the day that you die. And so it was really cool to see how if I stayed consistent with the practice, it wasn't what. I needed to let go of all the things that I think thought I needed to be, and I actually had to sit with who I actually was, and that's what yoga yoga taught me to to sit and observe and to listen because you know even Jesus says you know be slow to speak and eager fast to listen and when you listen when you open yourself up to listening and meditation and yoga it tunes you into everything. You know, I don't think I would ever be able to say that my abuse was my blessing. You know, that's some that's crazy for a person that, you know, hasn't gone through the healing journey of that. It's like, I can't even fathom my abuse actually being one of my biggest blessings, mm-hmm. but through sitting in, you know, beautiful crying sessions, you know, do pigeon pose, your immediate, uh, uh, damn it. Why did I have to go on all that? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but that was actually
0: a beautiful moment. I know, I know you're laughing about it now, but when you're in the depths of that, that's you mm-hmm. know the beauty of that, of being able to connect to the, the emotion is, in my, in my opinion, a beautiful moment, especially as young black males, we were taught yep. to cry, mm-hmm. right? At that point, it becomes so beautiful because it's free.
1: It's so freeing. And, you know, I'm a it, it val yoga validates me a lot because I'm a deeply emotional human being. And I'm trying to I'm trying to stop saying I'm emotional for a guy because everybody deserves to be emotional. And it doesn't You know I seem to stop putting that label on being emotional for a guy. Um, but, you know, I'm a double cancer. I'm a cancer sun and cancer moon. So, you know, I got that. then yeah, Them up waters be flowing Look, <laughs> breaking up with you would be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk <laughs> Oh man, it's, it's it so funny But Yeah, that validation of, of Understanding that these emotions that I've been Given are a gift, they're not something to Run away from, and you'll, you know you learn, you learn about the energetic bodies um, In yoga, and so You know, we have this emotional body And emotions, when You allow, one of my favorite sayings Is Emotions are energy in motion Mm. And when you, you know, when you try to stop energy from flowing, it gets stuck. And so yoga has really, like you said, it's, it's freeing. It's this, it's this allowance. That's what I get mostly from this practice is acceptance. And when you can dive deep into acceptance, acceptance of everything, Mm. you then are gifted the sheer amount of grace. You really can't find grace without first accepting suffering. Mm. And, you know, that's one of the higher paths in yoga and then meditation, meditation. So my biggest form of meditation is called yoga nidra. And this is something that I specialize in. And it is basically a system, a very old and ancient system within the yogic system that brings you more into your body. So first of all, you know, you have to discover your body. So it's really good for healing I'm like body dysmorphia and all these other things, we we become so disconnected from our bodies as human beings. And so the first pretty much part of this practice is going through a journey throughout your body and then in all types of ways, and that can last up to 20 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you go through these visualizations and you go really deep into the subconscious mind. And so you're in this place, you're in this place between waking, you know, wakefulness, and you're in a place in sleeping or all the way sleep deep sleep and in that realm it is the it i feel like it is the closest thing you can get to heaven because you are in this ethereal (laughs) i mean absolute ethereal floating tank of understanding that you are a soul on a journey and that everything in this experience is for the benefit Of everything so you know the practice of oneness Mm. and I actually think this is you know even relaying back into Christianity it actually teaches oneness in Christianity if people you know really um, understand how he says that everyone is one in the body of Christ yet we are all given different you know gifts and if you compare you know that's why comparison is a sin because it is saying God made you perfectly even if you have flaws those flaws are, they are necessary for life to go on. And you see nature, you know, you look at nature. Yoga has allowed me to also understand nature as this place. Veganism is very popular in, in yoga, but I, you know, I've been vegan, um, but I now practice this, this diet that is... If I am going to have some type of suffering on my plate, you know, and I think that everybody will realize that actually we can't, we can't transcend suffering on, you know, in our bodies, like every, something has to die for us to live. And that's the same thing. When we die, something else is given life.
0: And the plant, I mean, think about, you know, that plant is in a sense, it's living because Mm -hmm. it, it, but it, because it can provide you something it can promote yep. nutrients. And I, I always like to say that not to, you know, vegan or vegetarian people, I'm not trying to like cause a firestorm <laughs> to your point of, you know, something has to suffer when you, for you to live in terms of, especially mm-hmm. when your nutrition and there's something that some sort of dynamic in the organism of whatever it is you're putting in your body has to change in order for you to get you know, the, the energy from it. So
1: I mm-hmm. date that, continue on. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I, you go into a place of, of really becoming grateful mm-hmm. of, you see it, you observe it in nature. Everybody always, you know, there's a lot of, you know, conception, preconceptions, or ideals that nature is so peaceful. You go into you go into nature and it's so peaceful. It's like if you actually observe nature, nature is fucking savage. <laughs> like, nature don't give two damns about whether you think it's peaceful or not,
0: bro. You know, we were <laughs> my family just went on a camping trip and Scott and I for the first time. Well, for my first time, I was sleeping in a tent because I don't do tents like that, but now I do. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to be outside and it was going to be like this really quiet, you know, and it was loud, not loud as in like banging noises, but Mm -hmm. you hear everything. You hear animals going through the, the, the trees, even if it's a slight little bit of wind, you hear crackling of things. It's, it's, it's definitely like you said, savage. Like if you Mm -hmm. really (laughs) open your mind to pay attention to it.
1: Yeah, it is savage. And I, you know, that, that gave me, it gives me even more peace knowing that in a way i will never be able to transcend suffering itself because suffering gives way to everything else and so when you when we talk about peace my peace comes from not trying to run away mm. from suffering it's to embrace it as just a necessity of life just as bliss is a necessity of living Bliss only comes from the lower um, frequencies for, you know, whatever death gives life, life gives death. And it's just this beautiful understanding that everything is perfectly crafted, even though for me, you know, as a meditation teacher, it's even crazy to think about if everything was perfect, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even have a job anymore, you know um you know even even as a you know as a fitness instructor if everybody was healthy and fit all the time you know it's like it's not we are almost given our purpose too by these things and once you accept your purpose i think that will allow you to find more peace even if your peace comes from helping people out of their pain mm-hmm. or just being even able to one of my things that gives me peace is my sheer ability to endure pain. It's not even me being out of pain anymore. It's like, oh, pain is going to happen in my life. And yoga and meditation has now given me the tools to be able to handle it. It's not so much that I'm asking for the storms to never come again. I'm asking for the peace and the strength to really embody the eye of the storm.
0: Speaking of storms, and you know, we'll get to the shrooms in a little bit, <laughs> I wanted to segue uh, to the storms, because I think that a lot of people are going through a terrible storm right now amid the mm-hmm. and and what 's happening in the world, and a lot of people, even if they didn 't know it before, are now realizing that mental health is extremely important, and by just a mere change in nature, you know. Mm-hmm. you know, we have to now find ways and be flexible in how we live. And by doing that, be it a loss of a job, spending more time with your spouse, which can cause a lot of angst, greatness, and it could cause a lot of turmoil, spending more time with your kids, becoming a teacher. You know, people are now realizing that mental health is is a bigger thing than we thought in the past. And so speaking Mm -hmm. of those storms, how did you manage to, come out of the storm and knowing that mental health is was a big is I say I always say it no matter what you've been through in your life you if if you've had the mental health awareness or mm-hmm. had to go through any kind of challenges with mental health it's it's always with you in a sense just because it's a part of your history how did you manage to to either come out of that or however you describe it to to deal with it in a way where it helps you help other people today
1: yeah um I'm like trying to figure out even if I can tell this story without going into the shrooms.
0: <laughs> no, no. If it combines, <laughs> back, I mean, let's go to the shrooms with me. Okay. <laughs> I think that's... Let's do that. The reason why I think that is actually interesting, for lack of a better way of saying it, is because, you know, a lot of us turn to a lot of other Areas, You know, people talk about therapy or, mm-hmm. you know, pharmaceuticals, none of which, in my opinion, are bad. I don't want to judge people, but I I don't think we've ever heard how shrooms and mental health
1: correlate. So take us on. Yeah. A oh, man, this is exciting. This is like one of the biggest. This is like one of my favorite topics to talk about, Okay, um, just because I never saw myself as a person that would ever do such a thing like shrooms and. So the first time that I ever did shrooms was to heal a heartbreak. Actually, so I I had a two week long, pretty much just dive deep in love with this person, head over heels with this person, and after two weeks, she basically just disappears from my life, um, and you know marries her boyfriend that she had, um, totally. I could go deep into that but i just want to stay a little bit more on topic for this i used somebody told me shrooms was had the ability to pretty much take you back in time Hmm. to experience things so that you can actually move forward from them and that was a big that was a big energy hold and blockage in my heart was i was running into the same situations running into the same people just in a different body you know just a different human and so at some point, I realized it was me that was the problem. It wasn't all these other people that were hurting me, because of course they did hurt me. But I also, in a way, allowed them to hurt me. And I accepted that hurt as just that's what happens in my life. And so I was like, I can't do this anymore. There has to be a better way. And so I was told about the shrooms. And the first time that I ever did shrooms, I did. I didn't do a lot. I didn't do a lot. It was like a gram and I did it in my room or I did it in my living room. So I always done them by myself. So I sat with that and I played some music because we used to listen to, this was like when first Sam Smith came out. Oh yeah. Yeah. So when first Sam Smith was like on the rise, we used to listen to Sam. She introduced me to his music. And so after, you know, after she pretty much disappeared from my life, I think I cried for like three months um, listening to Sam Smith. Every time a Sam Smith song came on, you know the tears started flowing. I'm like, no, why? So, <laughs> you too. They, they will get you. <laughs> it's so true. And so, you know, me sitting on the floor. You know, I'm starting to feel anxiety, anxious when it. You know, when it when they start to work when it when it's the come up, and I just had this thought. I was like, I need to go listen to Sam Smith. I need to listen to the music that's going to take me back into that place. And so, you know, I, I did, and it literally shot me into almost as if I was reliving it over again. And I cried deeper than I've ever cried in my life. Like I want to say I cried for at least two hours, but what was so interesting in those cries was I also started to laugh. It would be like hysterical crying that turned and blended into laughing. And I couldn't tell at at a certain point i couldn't tell if i was crying or if i was laughing and it became this it became this expression of understanding that you know in that great pain that i experienced i also experienced great bliss mm-hmm. because i finally felt like i had the ability to get past it and i think as a somebody that has experienced chronic depression for my whole entire life my whole thing is that I would never be able to move past anything. I was always paralyzed. Like there were so many times where I wanted to move out of my bed, but I would be in my bed for almost all damn day because I had no idea how I could move forward in my life. Mm. And so after that experience, that was like, that was a, soul shifting experience. And I didn't even realize that it was that big of an experience at the time. I also like saw all these crazy sacred geometry and Aztec symbols plastered everywhere. I was like, what the heck is this? What is all of this? Why am I seeing this stuff? And then, so a few months, I think almost a few months after that, I ended up moving to Los Angeles. And so that's a lot more, it's a lot more um, intricately woven into this culture Um, like psychedelics a lot more open-minded here in los angeles so i researched i'm a very big i'm so curious about how the human brain works like psychology all of that stuff i am so deep into those studies and so i started to just research a little bit about how psilocybin can actually we rewire your mind and you know i experienced some type of rewiring you know during that heartbreak because i did I did actually find a sense of I am over this. Like I am past this. I can tell this story without, you know, holding resentment against this person. And so I made a vow. I pretty much made a commitment to myself to go through a grueling journey using shrooms. You know, I was, you know, I kind of signed up for the pain that, you know, like they say that there there can be some really bad trips, especially if you have a lot of trauma, because you're going to be thrown into this place of you have to sit with, your shit and so the first time that I did shrooms in LA it was definitely a bigger dose I think I did an eighth like three and a half grams and I sat in my room
0: before you go there I want to know I have a couple questions because I have okay I just I mean this is so (laughs) out of my knowledge that (laughs) the first time you did shrooms were you
1: alone I was alone yes
0: and that didn't make you nervous or like because I think for Duda, I would be like I need I need a medic over here
1: yeah Yeah, I mean I definitely was I was nervous but when you're at the point I think it was also just kind of where I was at Mm -hmm. at the point of desperation like I'm either gonna kill myself or these things are gonna help me and I don't, I've always been also a warrior just because I, depression isolates. Right. And so I've been so accustomed to being isolated to where I just, it was kind of like second nature to, I never even thought about doing it with anybody else. Like it was just right off the bat. I was like, these things are for me to do alone. And that was, you know, that was a really big blessing, but at the same time, not everybody is like me. And that is something that, you know, I have to personally acknowledge there are like a lot of the times, if anybody even has any type of history in their family of schizophrenia of, you know, being able to go into a place of psychotic, you know um, those are things that you have to look out for. So I definitely recommend anybody that is wanting to you know dive deeper into the journey in that world of shrooms is to have you know somebody that sits you that has experience and understanding of the medicine and also understanding of psychology
0: you know a lot of people could be like shrooms isn't that what you do at you know at a party or you know f- <laughs> whatever so where like how do you get this like what is this whole
1: process <laughs> like i mean um I it it's it definitely has that use and for me it's never I've never been called to use the medicine like that it's been a call to it is a teacher and so I have a I had a really good friend that um, has access to these things and so you know I have connects and they allow these things to happen um, just because it's also kind of an illegal substance I don't want to tell too much of course of course. But, um, and it's,
0: I think I just kind of, I respect the way you call it medicine, right? mm -hmm. Because, you know, saying drugs and calling it medicine, you know, calling it medicine implies that the use of it is for the purpose of getting better. And I just kind of therapeutics, very therapeutic. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so through that, when you it's also the intention. So I love that you said that because that is something that I'm very, anytime that I catch myself, like saying like, you know, shroom is a drug. I'm like, no, shroom is actually everything. Technically as a drug, there's nothing that is not a chemical reaction. Um, and shrooms for me, why I call it, why I choose to call it medicine is because I personally have experienced more healing. So I'm doing therapy right now, actually, but, And I had never done therapy before then. But seeing people that did therapy and then seeing how much shrooms in the span of six months, how that healed my depression. And, you know, I see people on years and years and years of therapy who have not been able to understand it. And so that is why I call it medicine is because it is it is this magical form that God has somehow created to. For humans to have a, I think that, you know, I fully wholeheartedly believe that this is something that was crafted for humans to be able to look inside, mm-hmm. to be able to, to sit. And, and it, there has to be, for any relationship to work, there has to be boundaries. And there has to be a willingness to let go of control.
0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
1: And so I think that's one thing that people get really nervous about with shrooms is that they will kind of be projected into this realm that reminds you that you are a human being and you are not in control of everything, mm. that you are kind of at the mercy of God. But in that sense, you also feel bliss because you realize you don't have to do everything mm. and you're, you can actually finally be. And I think that, you know, that's why they, they call us human beings, because we are meant to be um, in communion with each other, in communion with God, with spirit. And shrooms, they take you on a trip you, when you, when you sign up, you know, when you make a, whatever, spiritual contract, if you say, when you sign up for, you know, the healing journey with shrooms, you sign up for a ride and it is not going to be the funnest ride of your life, but the benefits of that journey, you know, you come out on the other side. So I'm going to tell you a few uh, about just a few of my biggest and most profound trips. So that first big trip, that I did in my room alone I was playing music so I always do music music I speak music better than I do English <laughs> and so you know I'm, I'm, I'm doing music and I'm just listening to the intricacies of the vibrations of the sounds and all these things and then you know I put on a blindfold and I will lay in my bed I put on a blindfold and I laid in my bed And I just sat with all of the anxiety that I was feeling. And I actually turned into excruciating pain. I'm telling you, I thought I was going to die. I ended up in fetal position and it felt like somebody's hand went into my stomach and like just turned my intestines upside down. And in those, you know, in those moments, and you know, I'm crying, I am crying rivers. I'm crying just in Timberlake rivers. And... (laughs) and in that I felt that pain had a purpose and if I were to get through that pain I had to have faith that this was not an experience that was going to kill me and I think that's one thing that people get really afraid of on shrooms is like can it kill you there's actually no there's no dose that has been measured that has ever killed a human being so you can never you can never take an amount of shrooms that will that will cause your death and i think that's one thing that you can kind of find comfort in but in the time that you do them you will think that you are dying or you will wish sometimes sometimes that you were dead just because sometimes the pain that you have to re-experience from living is so painful but you realize that in the same essence of the shroom trip you realize that you will never be free to live if you don't go through that pain there's actually no way to live as a free human being, to live as a loving human being, if you don't go through your pain. And so the next few times that I did shrooms, same thing, pain, like, oh my gosh, excruciating. But every single time, it would be a little less. And it would be a little less. And I would return, you know, I would integrate and I would return a little bit more me. I would ask myself these questions of why are you like this? Or uh, where, where does this originate? Because they were starting to take me back into suppressed memories. I started to actually access memories that I had totally forgotten of traumatic events. And getting that insight and getting that clarity is almost this form of closure, too, as well. And then that led me up into last June. So a little bit over a year ago, I did 10 grams. And I don't know if you know, like, so basic basic dosages for for shrooms
0: i know you did three grams before and now that's it
1: (laughs) yeah so like one to one to two is is a pretty i say like most beginners start there three to like four pretty hefty five grams is is considered a heroic dose which is like kid cutty type space realm and then 10 grams is like that's double the the big heroic dose and i and i did it for the purpose of really giving up as as much control as i had over the experience of feeling so it was it was like shrooms i'm going to trust you because if i take this amount i'm not going to be able to control me basically not wanting to take them out you know as soon as i do it i have to sit with that I respect the decision. I respect the shrooms, do your work, have like, give me some soul surgery, you know, put me under anesthesia and give me some, some soul surgery. And that actually, because I was so afraid and I was, I was expecting pain. I actually did not I did not experience pain that was the first time that I've done shrooms and I did not experience pain and I actually so this is like when I tell I don't tell this story to a lot of people uh, just because it's crazy it sounds crazy but I was sitting in my chair and I you know I do I transition more into like regular music I was playing like more emotional music, but then I got into 432 Hertz and 528 Hertz music. And that was what I did my trips with. And so, you know, I have my headphones in, I have my blindfold in or blindfold on sitting in my chair. And then I like, I just felt called to take off my blindfold. And in front of me was just this, have you ever, do you know, like Sega geometry, you know, like Sega geometry symbols?
0: Yeah, a little bit. I'm not like well versed in it, but I know what you're talking about.
1: It's all good. Um, So there's this symbol called the flower of life. And it I I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like all these little circles that form. Basically, it looks like a flower. So the the sacred geometry flower of life symbol, and, and keep this in mind, I had never seen it before. Like I've never actually observed it and said, hey, this is the flower of life, sacred geometry.
0: Is this the one?
1: Yes, so that's the one. That became my vision. Like As I opened my eyes, that became what I was, it was like I was looking through a lens of that and it was plastered everywhere and then just the colors of the room started to change and what happened after that was I felt this ethereal, higher essence of energy just shifting. And when that happened, I, I was in my chair, right? I stood up and I just felt this sweeping, this surge of, of power. And I don't even like to call it power just because sometimes we have such a, such a bad um, vocabulary definition of power. But really it was this power that came through me. And I said the words, I love myself. And that was the first time that I really felt like I actually said it and meant it. And this sweeping storm, almost beautiful storm of electricity actually started to, I started to feel like electricity in my body. And it actually went up my spine, through my neck, out of my cheeks. And like, like you know where you like your third, like they say where your third eye is. Yeah, yeah. So like there was a lot of energy there and it just like, it, and it was all just like, Projecting out of me And it was actually so much That I thought I was going to die From an energy overload So I went to the mirror I walked, walked over to my bathroom I looked into the mirror And there was just like sick geometry symbols flowing Where like all of my chakras were And I identified Because you know my um, Christian upbringing And outbringing or leaving it I identified more as an atheist um, I resonated more like saying like Okay, maybe this is all just a coincidence, and we're not even supposed to be here. like life is just still morbid and dying, you know we suffer and we die. And that was the first time that I really felt felt God, like being one with God. I, I no longer identified as an atheist. I knew it wasn't just a, it wasn't just some I think that's also another problem with with religion in itself, is that religion seeks to tell you rather than for you to experience it it's very hard for somebody to fathom the essence and the energy of Jesus just by being told about the energy of of Jesus but in that moment i really experienced what everybody says god is it was no longer somebody telling me about god or how to impress god it was more so god was it wasn't me getting to understand god it was it was me understanding that everything is god there's nothing that is not god even evil you know is is god and so what was strange was after that it actually because i feel like i went through so much of an energetic shift it i I actually almost became sober again i actually i lived um when i moved here i lived next to the you know the century city mall yep yeah. So I lived at the time right next to the mall. So I actually on 10 grams of shrooms, I was hungry. So I went to the mall to get food. Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. on Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. So I literally walked over there to go get, you know, go get food on 10 grams. And, you know, at first I was nervous. I'm like, how am I going to like, I don't, I've never like actually been out and about on shrooms before. And I actually talked to people. Like I could talk to people. I was, I felt normal and, what I understood was it was like, and why I called it medicine or call it medicine. It was, it was that feeling of you ever hear about, they say monks or enlightened gurus, any of these types of people that have already, you know, pretty much tasted what enlightenment tastes like, or just understanding God is that shrooms and these other forms of medicines, don't affect them like a regular human being because they're already kind of moving into that energy. Right. And so it actually stopped affecting me as strongly. Um, and it was, it was really interesting. And after that, I have still never experienced depression again. Wow.
0: <laughs> that is unreal. Unreal. That is <laughs> Unreal there are a lot of people who are going to be listening to this. And I think that I want to tell people it's probably too late now to tell them this, but if you've, while you're listening to this is because a lot of people will here shrooms and they immediately judge instead of mm-hmm. going journey. And I think it's really important that we allow ourselves to go on a journey of other people, because if you don't allow yourself to go on a journey, you limit your ability to continue to learn, which is mm-hmm. what I think we should be doing every day. You know, the old adage you learn something new every day i like to add to that but only if you pay attention right that part <laughs> right only if you pay attention and digest it so how long if you take one to two grams or two to four grams or 10 grams like you how mm-hmm. long does this trip last?
1: so a trip depending on how your dosage so like one to two grams even anywhere up to five grams, I would say expect, and I'm just going to give a rough estimate because everybody's, you know, psychology, physiology is different in the way that we interact with different drugs and medicines. Um, I'd still say expect anywhere from three to six hours of, um, a. But, but that's also, but that's also including coming up and, you know, slowly coming down and if if anybody has any experience with anxiety, especially, that will sometimes it will enable that tenfold because you're losing your sense of control. Anxiety really is just losing your sense of or perception that you are losing your control, um, and there's nothing that you can do about it. What I say is that's when if you are worried about the extreme anxiety, you have someone that you know is compassionate and empathetic, Um, and is there for you, or also you can smoke uh, marijuana if you have that ability um, where you are, and that can ease some of that space and that that time. But yeah, I'd say expect anywhere from three to six hours. If you're doing above that though, you can experience it sometimes upwards to like 10 hours, but it's not, you're not peaking. So that's the thing. You're not peaking all of that time. That's the whole entire journey. You know, as a roller coaster, there are sometimes those low parts and then there's also the high parts and that's still pretty much applicable to shrooms as well.
0: Yeah. Cause when you talk about, when you talk about it, it, my anxiety because i do suffer from anxiety Mm -hmm. it through the (laughs) ready freaking out (laughs) just smoking weed when i was like younger and like there are some times where i smoke weed where i was like okay it's fine but there were times where i smoke weed where i literally thought i was losing my entire i was like this is it's just too much like i could not (laughs) I was like, get me out of here. I, I wasn't even in anywhere, really. I was just, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, that, that's a, it's just an interesting, because I, I, I'm sure people will have that question. Yeah. Right, so, first of all, you are, just thank you for your transparency and your willingness to let people outside the box, because I believe mm-hmm. that we spend a lot of time inside the box in our own lives. And a lot of people would never get a chance to talk to somebody like you because they wouldn't allow themselves to even mm-hmm. go on that particular journey. And I believe that your journey as a whole is just, it's no pun intended. It's just unreal. Like it, takes yeah,
1: it really has been
0: the <laughs> journey. So I know this might be a tough ask, but okay. for one minute and 30 seconds, are you able to take us on a
1: small meditation? Oh, heck yeah. I was hoping you asked this. Let's go. Uh, (laughs) I'll follow your your lead. Okay. All right. So wherever you are, however you are, just allow yourself to get as comfortable as possible. So if you're sitting in a chair, get a little bit more cozy in that space. If you have the ability to lay down, also allow yourself to move into that space as well. And so we're all going to close our eyes. And just feel your body from head to toe. Is there anything in your body right now that you are holding on to? And if so, can you invite a wave of relaxation to move in and over your body? Just feeling all the muscles of the face, the jaw, the teeth, and the tongue to relax. The shoulders soften as well as your arms and your fingers. Your thighs, your knees, your calves, and your feet. Everything is beautiful as it is. And so we're going to take a few inhales and exhales together. Take a deep inhale through your nose and feel your belly rise away from your body. Imparting the lips, let a big escape of air move out of your body. I'm going to say it again, deep in hell, but this time I want you to envision love pouring into you deep in hell. And as you exhale, I want you to share that love with the world. And last time, deepest in hell. And just give it away. And as you sit with yourself, Understand that all that you are is beautiful and that you don't have to be perfect to be amazing. The heart that you feel beat in your chest was perfectly crafted just for you. So listen to that. It is the most beautiful melody you will ever hear. Thank you. Namaste
0: stay yeah you're something else there young <laughs> well, I call people young fella in a, in
1: a... no I'm pretty young I'm 26
0: okay I can call you young fella for like <laughs> no DeAndre thank you so much that was so wonderful I learned so much um, I might be calling on you again man You, yeah come on I, I, I just believe that and I think the biggest takeaway of my, my conversation with you is it just validates that it validates my belief that if you allow yourself to be transparent, you can really, you know, heal yourself in so many different ways. And I know a lot of people out there right now are going through some crazy struggles, different struggles. But I believe that just by allowing yourself to be present and mm-hmm. doing the meditation like we just did in itself just allows you to breathe in that good air. I mm-hmm. said my, in my transform 20 workouts, one of the workouts I said, breathe in that good air because yes. we only take in pain. We only take mm-hmm. in pain, but sometimes a breathe in that good air. And like you said, at the end of the meditation, you can let out just so much love by letting that percolate in your soul
1: DeAndre, yes sir so yes sir thank you this was honestly the biggest gifts of 2020 for me this is amazing thank you
0: well i'm glad i could be a part of that and thank you so much